Thank you for selecting this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center's Media Ministry. Sit back and relax and prepare to hear God's Word. And now here's today's speaker. Peace Stealers. Peace Stealers. And last week we spoke from that particular subject. And the Lord brings us to a part two this week. And as you see on the screen behind me, can you recite what part two is called? Let me help you. Stay out of grown folks' business. Hallelujah. Some of you got some confused faces, but don't worry. We'll help you out in just a few minutes. Stay out of grown folks' business. Some of you heard that a lot when you were coming up, didn't you? There are some things that are too much for you. Some things that you don't have the anointing to go through. Some things that are too high, that are too heavy for you. Stay out of it. When we get involved in things that are, that are beyond our areas of expertise, when we, get, when, we get beyond, when we get involved in things that go beyond the level of anointing that we uh, are meant to employ, then you end up being frustrated. And we'll deal with that spirit today. We'll deal with that word today. We'll deal with that emotion today. The Lord has empowered us and equipped us to deal with frustration. Frustration is a killer. It's a killer. And we're going to deal with that spirit. We're going to deal with it until the Lord says, stop. We're going to deal with it and deal with it until that is driven out of your life. Hallelujah. Until that is driven out of your ministry, driven out of your home. Praise the Lord. We're going to bind that spirit of frustration and cast it out in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It is as a mountain that we must deal with. The time has passed to talk about it. We have to talk to it and cast that spirit, cast that mountain far from us into the sea. Frustration. How many have been frustrated before? You know what it feels. Come on, hold your hand up. You know what it feels like to be frustrated. Is that a pleasant feeling? Would you call that a positive emotion or a negative emotion? Our bodies were not meant to run on negative emotions. When we experience negative emotions, it causes chemical imbalances on the inside of us. You experience frustration long enough, you'll hit the thing called stress, which is in frustration, and it releases, uh, it tells your body to release uh, different chemicals like cortisol. We've heard about that on television. And other things, it, re it releases toxins within your body. It begins to hurt you. It causes your body to release poisons into your own system. When you're continually frustrated or you continually experience negative emotions, it causes damages, effects in your own body, and it will also cause you to be poisonous to everybody else around you. Is there a witness on that? If you continually, continually experience negative emotions, your body's going to begin to make up toxins or poisons, and you're going to experience it physically. And eventually, those that are around you will also experience the poison as well. So we're going to deal with that spirit because, remember, God has given us a divine default. 
you're supposed to be at peace and at rest. You're supposed to be at peace and at rest. Every day, you're supposed, that's your default position. You're supposed to have love and dwell in love every day. That's your default position, right? You're supposed to be experiencing joy every day. That's your default position. Now, we do know that at times God will uh, move upon us and there will be some things called a, uh, there'll be something called a righteous, righteous indignation or righteous anger. You know, the Lord Jesus, of course, made a cord of whips, you know, and he whipped out this and that. At that point, he was not at a state of peace, right? That was what we call abnormal for him. His norm was at a state of peace, right? State of joy, constant love. That was his norm. So this was abnormal that he, that he did this. But once this task was completed, he went right back to the state of peace. But the problem is with some of us, it is abnormal for us to be at a state of peace. It is abnormal to be at a state of rest, to be at a state of love and a state of joy. That's abnormal. No, somebody talk to me. If we see some coming in smiling, we think, what you up to? What's wrong? What, what's wrong? See somebody quiet, we think, oh, why are you quiet? What's wrong? We don't know you because this is abnormal behavior. Are you with me? It's time the Lord has already returned us to our default position. We have to yield to him, yield to the flow. Are you with me? Let me tell you about something before we get into this. Frustration is caused by a disease. It's called the, uh, the Amima disease. Did you get that? It's the Amima syndrome. I'll help you out in a second. It's called the Amima syndrome. And if you are infected with the Amima syndrome, everything you touch will be tainted. Let me say it a bit slower. The I, me, my syndrome. If everything is always about you, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be agitated. You're going to be irritated. If everything is always about you, my car, my house, this is me. I want this for me. Do this for me. If it's always, if your life is focused inwardly, you're going to always be in a state of unrest. Hallelujah. You can't help it. You will always be in a state of unrest if everything is always focused about you. If you always have to have your way, if everything always has to go according to your will, you're always going to be in a state of distress, a state of, like I said, distress, stress, or frustration. We must be delivered from the I, me, my syndrome. If we have the I, me, my syndrome, those that have the I, me, my syndrome will allow fear to override them, to override the will of God for their lives. They'll get up in front of the church and or their, the Lord will communicate to them in their seats and they'll say, well, if I get up there, they're going to laugh at me. Or some would say, I can't go to church because I don't have the right clothes. They're going to talk about me. Are you with me? 
or there have been occasions when that syndrome tried to come upon me, I would go into different places, you know, just wearing regular clothes, didn't have my preacher card on at the time. Yeah, I didn't have my preacher collar on. But I'm still me, hallelujah. I go into places and, uh, you know, they look at me like I'm about to steal something. I would get aggravated, irritated. What do you think? Anyway, but it was about me. I don't know what they were, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know if that was it or not. I don't want your stuff. You, you, you with me know what I'm saying to you? But because I had that complex, oh, they, what, what are they thinking about me? You can't have rest like that. I remember walking down Auburn Place Mall, had my black jacket, it was cold, it was wintertime, and I I had a hood on it. Walking by a couple, they kind of hurried and got to their car. (laughs) But if I am me-centered, that's going to bother me. Right? Listen. You are not held accountable, and I am not held accountable for, for how others think. I'm not held accountable for how others speak. I'm not held accountable for how others act. But I am held accountable for how I think, how I speak, and how I act. God will not judge you because of how someone else thinks of you, or what they say to you, or say about you, or how they treat you. But he will hold you accountable to how you respond to them. Are you with me, everybody? How do you respond to them? How do you respond in turn? This is how you are held accountable. If they are filled with poison, they can only usher out poison. And how you react to that poison, you are judged based on your reaction. Does everybody understand? Say with me, I am judged, judged. will be judged, judged. based on my reaction. reaction. Now you go into the store and the clerk is nasty to you as all get out. She is nasty, nasty, mean, and you're coming in to give them business, give them money. And she is nasty, she is mean, she is insulting. You're not held accountable by God based on how she treats you, but you are held accountable based on how you treat her now if we hurl insult for insult you've just crossed the line that's not your duty remember God said vengeance is mine say the Lord I will repay why does he say that because he looses us that gives us freedom to continue to walk in love God gotta take care of that that's his business that's grown folks business We're still children. Are you with me? He's the only one that's grown. Fully grown, fully mature. That's his business. So we don't go around plotting how we're going to hurt somebody because they hurt us. Or we're going to, I'm going to get you back. You did this, you did that. No, that's grown folks' business. We just continue in love one with another. Yes, they mistreated you. And yes, they probably meant to do it too. Yes, they were probably plotting, scheming, and conniving how they can get back at you. Yes, they probably were. 
But that's God's business. It's your business just to love them and continue to love them. Yes, they got on your last nerve. Your very last one. And it was frayed at that. It was coming apart. They got on your last nerve. But God's not holding you accountable for how they treat you. He's holding you accountable how you react to them. Are you with me, everybody? Ask your neighbor, do you understand? Looking at our first slide, I want you to see something. Uh, Church Winston Churchill wrote something. It said, a, persi- a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Which one are you? Are you a pessimist or are you an optimist? Do you always see something bad in an opportunity? Well, it's a good idea, but I don't know how they're going to react to it. You know it ain't gonna give nothing. Oh, that sounds good, but you you don't know how you you don't know my husband. You you don't know my wife. But it, it, you always see something negative in it. If you do, you're a pessimist, or you're acting as if you are a pessimist, and not an optimist. See the good in it. Are you with me? See the good in it. See the good in it. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we got to see the good. The face of frustration. Was the man say, I can't take it any longer. And some of you have looked just like this. This is some of your norm. This is how you normally are. You wake up looking just like this with paper stuck in your mouth. You go to bed looking just like this. This is not normal for a born-again believer. Turn to neighbor and tell him, this is not normal for you. Some of us have learned to live with frustration. Don't learn to live with a demon. We cast those things out. Are you with me? Don't learn to live with negative emotions. That's not you. That's not who God made you to be. We're going to learn some things today. Amen? Listen, if you feel or look like this, you've crossed the line. You are officially doing too much of the wrong thing. You have picked up too much. When you're feeling frustrated, remember, when you're feeling frustrated, you've picked up too much. I'm doing too much. I need to stop doing something. When you feel frustrated again, remember these words. When you feel frustrated again, remember these words. I picked up too much. I'm doing too much. I need to stop and reevaluate. When you feel frustrated again, remember these words. 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 And for those of you that didn't, that didn't hear the first four or five times, when you feel frustrated again, remember these words. I picked up too much. I'm doing too much. I need to stop and regroup, reevaluate. Because when frustration comes, we typically want to push our way through it. You're going to do this if you don't like it or not. You're going to give me that raise of promotion on my job. I've been working here for 15 years and I'm stuck in the same cubicle. You're going to give it to me. I'm so frustrated. Stop. 
You don't have to live with frustration. Remember, frustration only comes in when you're attempting to do something. You have a goal in mind. You have a picture in mind. And what you have in mind, you don't see it coming to pass. Or it's not coming to pass fast enough. And this frustrates us. This is a frustration is a negative emotion. Talking physically, it is a negative emotion that can have terrible consequences on your physical body. Spiritually, it is a demonic spirit that must be cast off in a way. Amen? Are you understanding today? Got a lot for you to see today. Let's look at what frustration is. We went straight to the encyclopedia again, to the Wikipedia. Some of you can go online and, and see it. You find out a lot of information. Everything on the internet is not good, believe me. But this particular definition is. I want you to see, I want you to see and identify your enemy. Because you can't shoot something that you can't see. You have to be able to identify it, know what it is. Listen, frustration is a feeling. Say feeling. It is a feeling. Say feeling. Now listen, feelings can be turned on or turned off. Feelings can be turned on or turned off. Personal word and testimony. When I was in high school, maybe the eighth, ninth grade, whatever, I did not know. I heard that people were been boyfriend and girlfriend for years, two years, three years. I, it, it blew my mind, brother Ed. It just blew my mind. How could how would you want to be around for somebody with the same person for two years? I didn't understand that. What, uh, what? See, in those days, I would... Asked to be my girlfriend in homeroom by lunchtime. We had broken up. I could turn my feelings on and turn them off, on and turn them off. Feelings, but I've grown since then. Please understand. Happily married now. Oh, this is our sixteenth year. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But feelings can be turned on and feelings can be, can be turned off. Today I love you, the next day I don't love you. Today I like you, next day I don't like you. Feelings can be turned on and turned off. You have the rule and control over your feelings. Remember, feelings are in your soulish realm and in your soul, your soul houses your emotions, or rather your emotions, your, your intellect, uh, you know, so you can turn them off. There's your will there. You can turn them on or off. So when you feel frustrated, you can stop feeling frustrated. It doesn't have to overwhelm you and keep overwhelming you. Does everybody understand? We're in a teaching today, school of instruction. Are y'all, everybody getting this? Frustration is a feeling of what? Dissatisfaction, often accompanied by anxiety or what? Or depression, resulting from unfulfilled needs or unresolved problems. It is a negative emotional response to a blocked situation. When you feel blocked, you want to do something for the Lord. You want to get your house remodeled. You want to get that new car. You want to get that new job. And you feel blocked. You haven't been able to find work. You haven't been able to find employment. And you've been putting an application after application after application after application. And you find nothing. And you feel frustrated. That's a negative emotional response. Instead of saying, I went all these places and I couldn't find work, maybe we should say, I went all these places and those are places that I've eliminated. My job is still there. I know now 
10 places that are not hiring. Now let me find the one place that is. Are you with me? All right. Frustration. It is an emotion that occurs in situations. It is emotion. Here again, it is an emotion. It is an emotion that occurs in situations where one is blocked from reaching a personal goal. The more important the goal, the greater the frustration. The more important your goal that is, let's say, to get your house paid off or to to get your rent money. The greater the goal, the more important it is to you, the greater the frustration will be when you are blocked. If it's just to get a candy bar at the convenience store and someone blocks you, you get a phone call, and you get another phone call, another phone call, it's not so much of a big of a deal. But if you're trying to get somewhere to a meeting and, and that's, they, you know they're expecting you there, that's important. And if you get phone call, the phone call, the phone call, and you can't get out the building, then it becomes great frustration. Are you with me? That spirit is looming. It wants to take over. Let's go ahead and finish this. The more important the goal, the greater the frustration. It is comparable to what? Anybody reading with me? It is comparable to anger. Sources of frustration may be internal or external. Internal sources of frustration involve personal deficiencies, such as a lack of confidence or fear of social situations that prevent one from reaching a goal. Conflict it can be an internal source of frustration when one has uh, competing goals that interfere with one another. External Causes of frustration involve conditions, uh, conditions outside the person, such as a blocked road, lack of money, or lack of control over a situation. Are you with me, everybody? We got to define it. You say, well, man, that's boring. But understand, unless you learn to conquer frustration, it can keep you out of your destiny. You got to learn to conquer frustration. Say with me, I will learn. To conquer frustration. It is an enemy that is placed under your feet. We are meant to keep it under our feet. Remember your default position. Your default position should be one of peace. Listen, God has a part. We've got to understand this. God has a part and we have a part. As a believer, you must know the difference. Let's look at some scripture. In the book of James, the second chapter, verse number 20. It says... But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? God has a part, and you have a part. Say with me, I have a part, and God has a part. Let's look at uh, Matthew, the 7th chapter, verse 24. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken unto him as a wise man which built his house upon a rock. God has a part and we have a part. If you don't understand the difference, if you don't know where yours ends and his begins, you're going to cross over into his side and that's grown folks business and you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated. God has a part and we have a part. Let's look at this chart here that the Lord gave me to give you today. Talks about the vision, the, the task, the assignment. Notice in the first chart, In the green, it says, your part. There are some assignments, and notice how the one on the top differs from the one that's at the bottom. 
On the top assignment, there's very little that you can do, and God does a great bit. That's grown folks' business over there. On the bottom half, there, on this particular assignment, you're doing a whole lot. And God's doing that small part that you cannot do. You have to know the difference. There is a dividing line like it is there on the screen. There is a dividing line. Well, how do you know? Look, you say, Pastor, I, I, I cannot see a literal dividing line. I don't know where God begins and, and I end. I, I don't know. Well, he's given you an inside sensor, if you will. He's given you an inside radar detector, an inside line detector. What's that line detector? We call it in the natural frustration. When you have stepped over into God's part, into grown folks' business, you step over here and you feel, oh, oh, oh. That means you're burning up. That fire is burning up. You're now in a, in a place where you are not, uh, you are not created to operate. This is God's part and it is burning you half up. It is burning you up. You are just freaking out over here. Oh, 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 or, <laughs> I can't, oh, oh, help me, help me, oh, 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 until you come back. I'm not going back over there again. But so, but it is so easy to cross over. Because you, we think, well, we know what we got to do. I know the task. I, I know the assignment. I know the plan. I, I know the vision. And I know I can do this. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. One thing happens wrong. Well, it's all right. It's all right. Let me do it. And then we slowly, surely go over to the next side. And how do you know when you're in grown folks' business? When you feel frustrated, frustrated, because you're trying to push something, trying to operate in a dimension, in a realm that you were not created for. Are you with me? So your spirit man sends the word down to your soulish man. And you know, I mean, your spirit man sends word, okay, because we can't see in the spirit. Are you with me? But you are a spirit, and your spirit, you can see with your spirit eyes, if you would, if you, if you understand what I'm saying to you. Your spirit man can feel and sense, and, and he knows, okay, we've crossed over. And the word is sent down to your emotions, and, and you begin to feel it. And then in your body, then all three parts of you, body, soul, and spirit, are shaken over here in frustration until you move over to where you're supposed to be. Remember... God has a part, and you have a part. And as a believer, we have to know the difference. Are you with me, everybody? Let's look further into that. Let's look further into that. What's our part? Just do your best and let God have or handle the rest. Now, that's easy to say. But it can be so hard to do. We feel at times that if we walking, I've never done it before, but I've seen people do it. They're in some type of races. They got a big spoon and they got an egg on top of it. And they're doing like that. Anybody ever done that before? Raise your hand if you've done it before. All right, will somebody get an egg, please, and a spoon? No. And they're racing and we're trying not to let this egg touch the ground 
try not let this egg. We don't want to fail. We don't want to fail in life. We want to succeed in life, right? We don't want to fall. We don't want to be a failure. So we're going through life with this. Going through life. And there is a stumbling block right there. And we trip. And the egg begins to fall. And we begin to feel stress. Oh, my egg is falling. But God has somebody over here that can catch that egg for you and put it back on your spoon. But we're so focused on the egg not falling that we can't see the help that God has positioned all around us. Oh, that's a word again for somebody. Don't focus so much on the egg. Because if you focus on the egg, you're going to frustrate those that God sent to help you. And you're going to wear them out. You're going to open your mouth and you're going to spew that, that, uh, that toxin over them, that viperous poison. There's some animals like, uh, what I call the thing, what, the yak or whatever, that spits on you, the llama, yes, it. You're going to spit on them when they're trying to do their best to help. That's their side over there. God put them on that side over there to help. But because we're so focused on I cannot let this fall. I cannot let my ministry fall. I cannot let my house fall. I cannot let my goals fall. I cannot let it fall. So focus on the egg that you can't recognize the help that God has put around you. Are you with me? Let's look at some scripture. Now, this is straight out of the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians 12, chapter, verses 8 through 10. Paul called this revelation. He said, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Talking about the thorn in the flesh. Uh, each time he said, what? My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My grace is all you need. King James says, my grace is sufficient for you. I like the way the New Living, Translate, uh, New Living Translation says it. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My grace is all you need, the Lord says. My power works best in your weakness. But listen. You say, I'm so frustrated. What are you saying? I'm so weak. I can't stand it. Why don't I have this control? Why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? Uh, uh, uh. Nah, 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 nah. You get it later. You're saying, uh, I'm so frustrated. I'm so weak. Why don't I have the money? Why am I so financially weak? Uh, why don't I have the credit? I'm so financially, I mean, I, I don't have enough credit. Ugh, I'm so weak. What was Lord say? Wait a minute, hold up. Wait a minute. My power works best in your weakness. So God wants you to see the glory of his power. He can't show it over there in your strength because you figure, I got this, Lord. I got this. So he allows that spirit of frustration to come in. Didn't send it. He allows it because it's been at your door waiting to come in. Let me have him. Let me have him, Lord. Let me have him. Let me have him. He allows it because we can get so pumped, so pumped up in pride. 
I got it, Lord. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. I know how to do it. So he allows to come in and it frustrates your plan. It frustrates your thinking. It reveals an area of weakness. Then the Lord says, hey, hold back, son. This is grown folk business now. I'll handle this. I know you don't have the money. Step back. This is grown folk business. I'll handle this. I know you. I know they don't know you from Adam's house cat. And I know that the other people in here that are better qualified for the job. Don't get frustrated. Step back. This is grown folks business. I'll take care of it now. Hallelujah. You got to learn to stay out of grown folks business. There are parts that you can do and there are parts that you cannot do. And instead of stressing out over what you can't do, rest assured that God has laborers on the other side that is waiting to help you pick up your egg. Are you with me? Yes, he has laborers. His power works best in your weakness. Remember, the glory shows up best on the black backdrop. We talked about that. When you go into a jewelry store, they don't have the jewels you know, on a white background. They don't have it on a, you know, they have it on some sort of darker background. Usually the gold, I mean, they, they have a little black cloth put on their arm there. And they bring the gold necklace and say, hmm, you like that? Do you like that? You see it? Because the glory of the gold shows up best on that black backdrop. Are you with me? Do you see that gold necklace? Showed up nice, you see it? Well, here's a necklace here. You can have it. <laughs> Are you with me? You say, I've had a terrible past. You don't understand, Pastor, about what I've been through. Well, his glory shows up best on a black backdrop. If you've always did everything always the right way, you've always been the goody two-shoes, you've always been holier than thou, then we can't see a whole lot of glory in that. But if you've come out of hell and came back to tell us, we can see the glory of God very well in there. You used to be what? You used to do what? I can't even see that in you anymore. Why? Because His glory shows up best on a black backdrop. Oh, Holy Spirit, have your way. Look, He says, so now I will glad, I will, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Key, a key to derailing frustration in your life is understand that when you're weak, you're actually strong. When you don't have enough, the world leads you to believe you better run in fear. Oh, 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 we don't have enough. We don't have enough. I'm weak. I'm weak. I don't have enough money. I'm weak. Oh, God, what are we going to do? Oh, God, what are we going to do? But he sends a word down from heaven and says, Hey, slow your roll. Cool your jets. Are you weak? Yes, Lord. Can't you see? I'm weak. Can't you see? I don't have it. Don't you understand? Calm down. Are you weak? Yes. Are you weak? Yes. Are you weak? Yes. Well, then you must be strong. You must be strong. There's a strength that is there 
on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit that is empowering you now to do things that you could not do before. All you got to do now is reach over, open the, pop the top of spinach and put it in. Oh, Lord. Y'all with me today? Say with me, I am defeating the spirit of frustration in my life. It's under my feet. Frustration is under my feet. Frustration is under my feet. Frustration is under my feet. In Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Come on. Listen again. Listen. When you feel frustrated, when your spirit man has communicated to you that you are now in grown folks' business, because we're all just children, God is the only one that is grown. He is our Father. He's the grown one. When your spirit man communicates to you that we're in grown folks' business, that we're in God's business now, and your spirit man talks to your soul, and you begin to get agitated on the inside, and, you, and on the outside, your shoulders begin to hurt. Your stomach begins to gurgle. Oh, I don't feel so well. And you begin to get agitated and afraid. When you feel that sensation, understand you need to stop, back up. Stop what you're doing, back up. Reevaluate your position. Understand, I'm in God's business here. I'm frustrated. I feel it. Okay, let me, let me back up, Lord. Okay, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to do here? Am I concentrating too much on the egg? Yes. All right. All right. You got somebody. You got it. I will relax. Before I spew out poison and toxin on everybody, venom, let me relax. <sighs> You may have to say, when you're on the phone with somebody and making you frustrated, I have to call you back. If they're in your office, in your presence, they're frustrating you, say, could you step out for a moment? I need to reevaluate some things. Rather than letting yourself be a breeding ground for toxin, a breeding ground for other things that can not only hurt you, but hurt other people. Stop it. But you have to resist the temptation to help God out. Resist the temptation to help God out. In Genesis, the third chapter, verse 6 through 7, you can get it late if you like. That's where Eve and Adam and Eve decide to help God out. Surely God wants us to know everything. Surely He does. Surely he wants us to know about this and that, so let's help him out and let's eat. In Genesis, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 10, Sarai offers a suggestion to Abram. We know God wants us to have a child. Behold, he's hidden it from me. He's not giving it to me. Maybe through my handmaiden, God wants to do it. I'll build a family through her. What do you think about Abram? Well, she is good looking. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, we'll get that together. Yeah, yeah. Resist the urge to help God out. 
He knows you're waiting. The Lord knows you're waiting on this thing. He knows you have a vision of this thing. He knows that it's his will for it to come to pass. But when you're frustrated, you will have an urge to force it and to make it happen. Resist the urge to help God out. Tell your neighbor and tell him, you must resist the urge to help God out. You must resist the urge because if you do, if, if you give in to that temptation, you're going to make something that you're not going to be happy with later on. Right? You want a new car. You want a new car bad. You want it so bad that you're willing to get any deal. And you want to get something that's going to frustrate you later on. You want to get married so bad, so bad, that you end up with something that you don't want. Leave it right there. Take a step back and wait on the Lord. When you're frustrated, take a step back and wait on the Lord. I love the way Job says it here. Job the 14th chapter, verse number 14. He says, if a man die, shall he live again? If, if a man dies, if your dream dies, shall it live again? If it's of God, yes, he will resurrect it. Hear me. If it is of God, if the dream is truly of God, he will resurrect it. If the vision is of God, if it dies, he will resurrect it. Are you with me? Listen, he says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. I will wait. I'm frustrated now. But I will wait until my change comes. If you can do it, then do it. Say, Lord, I'm so tired of the floors. I need to be swept. I need to be mopped. I'm so tired. Well, if you can sweep it and mop it, then sweep it and mop it. Frustration goes out the window. But Lord, you know I can't do it because of that bad back I got. Lord, you know I can't do it. Well, then if you can't do anything about it, wait until he sends somebody that can do something about it. And listen, if he does not send somebody that can do something about it, he may change the environment altogether. Just move. Are you with me? He'll move you to another place. You won't have to worry about it anymore. Or maybe he'll give you, develop a new type of church like the restaurants with the peanuts on all the floor, peanut shells on the floor. And then it looks great. Are you with me? We're so aggravated. Oh, I can't tweet it. I can't do it. Nobody will help me. Okay, first, you ingrown folk business. Stop. Can you do it? No. Wait till I send somebody. Lord, I've been waiting. And it's still down there. Well, maybe it's supposed to be down there. Okay. Take a step back and wait on the Lord. Job said, I will wait till my change comes. You got to wait on the Lord. You got to wait on the Lord. Habakkuk 2, 3 talks about the appointed time. The vision will tarry, but it will be there at the appointed time. Are you with me? In Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verse 28 through 31. Uh, and it declares, you know, wait upon the Lord. Talks about waiting upon the Lord. And you're going to rise up on wings as eagles. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to walk and not faint. But you're going to have to wait on Him. Resist the urge to help God out. Turn to David and tell him, you must resist the urge to help God out. If it's not working, it could be a reason why it's not working. Hallelujah. 
It may not be the appointed time. Listen, before God promotes, He prepares. Before He will promote you to the world, He will prepare you. God never promotes what He has not prepared. God never promotes what He has not prepared, what He has not first prepared. Hallelujah. We're almost done. Realize the giver of the vision is ultimately responsible for the success of that vision. Let me say that again. Realize the giver of the vision is ultimately responsible for the success of that vision. So let the pressure, the weight rest on his capable shoulders and not yours. We get stressed out and frustrated when we think that we are the ones that have to bring this vision to pass. And if I don't do it, nobody will. And nobody helping me. And nobody giving it tithes and offering. And nobody coming to the services. And I'm supposed to be here. You ain't grown folks business again. Are you with me? Nobody's helped me. I've been told to sweep the church and nobody's coming to help me to sweep the church. Slow your roll. You're going, uh, again. Relax. Relax. Are you with me? Ultimately, the giver of the vision is responsible. God wanted it, wants it in the earth and he's ultimately responsible for it. We can't make it happen. All we can do is allow it to happen. Let it happen. You can't make yourself into a spiritual powerhouse. All you can do is allow God to make you into that. Turn to them and tell them, just let it happen. Be obedient to God and just let it happen. Release yourself from that. Release yourself from the weight, from the pressure of it. Release it. Say, I will release it. And just let it happen. Listen, man can't rob you of opportunity. You're working on a job. You say, all my ideas, my supervisor took credit for all of my ideas. He took all the credit and I never get any credit. He can't stop you from receiving God's best. You mean tell me he can stop God's plan for your life? He, If he's that powerful to stop God, maybe we need to have his name up here and be worshiping him. But is he that powerful to stop God's plan? No. Consider Joseph. Joseph saw a vision. He saw a dream that his whole family were going to bow down to him. His sheaves will bow down. They're going to bow down. His brother said, uh-uh, oh, oh, we ain't having that up in here. I don't know who he think he is. Hey, boys, come on. I saw a pit over there on the other side. Let's throw this dreamer into the pit. This thing ain't going to come to pass. Now, people have talked about you. I'm sure they have lied on you. I'm sure they've scandalized your name. I'm sure. But I doubt if anybody in here has been, ever been thrown into a pit, a physical pit. Are you with me? And they went back and told your family that you did. I doubt that. To derail the plan of God, whether they thought about it or not, they threw him in the pit. And surely that was it with that. But when they saw their brother again, they were bowing down, bowing down. Men can't stop the plan of God for your life. Can't do it. 
He went from the pit to the prison to the palace. People cannot stop the plan of God for your life. The lack of money cannot stop the plan of God for your life. It can't. It can't because God's plan is bigger. The only person that can stop God's plan or, or really hinder God's plan, you look at him every time you brush your teeth. Every time you brush your teeth, that's the person. If you say, Lord, I'm through it. I'm not doing this anymore. You say, I will, I refuse to obey your command. I refuse you. I say no to you. you keep saying that, then maybe he'll call somebody else to take your place. Where you were supposed to build the temple, he'll have to call your son to build the temple. Are you with me, everybody? Got to go on, but realize that the giver of the vision, we got another five minutes to go. The giver of the vision is ultimately responsible for the success of that vision. Put the weight back on God. Put the weight back on Him. To provide for the vision, put the weight back on Him. Are you with me? Not the people. Put the weight back on Him. He's ultimately responsible because He called you to do it. If I send you out somewhere uh, to buy a new printer for the church or to buy a new plasma TV for the church... If I send you out to buy the plasma, the 50-inch high-definition plasma screen. If I send you out to get it, and you go there, and I give you a, a credit card or I give you a bank card to get it, and you get down to the register, and they swipe it, and there's no money on the card, don't freak out. Just call the church. Uh, Pastor, you sent me down here to get this Sony plasma television. 50 inch you sent me down here to do this and they told me the church card is no good what you want me to do now you see because I told him to go down and get the Sony plasma television retailing at about $1,500 because I told him to do that the pressure is not on him to get it the pressure is on me because I sent him down there to get it now, I have to make sure that he has provisions for it. He shouldn't have to go in his pocket and get the money out because he, it's not his vision. It's mine, right? Hallelujah. So put the weight of it back on the giver. Lord, this is your ministry. Lord, this is yours. This is your family. This is, you know, my finances belong to you. I'm putting the weight back on you. And that way you stay clear. And you'll see the power of God revealed in that way. Another four minutes. Are you with me? Ephesians 6 tells you about that. 6.10. It says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Right? Zechariah 4. You'll see it in there. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 through 30, the Lord says, hey... Uh, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will, I will carry the burden. I will carry the burden. Now, there's a story with that. Thank you for giving me liberty. There's this, there's this young lady. Uh, she's actually a little bit older. She's just gone shopping. And uh, she had, um, you know, some bags there, grocery bags on her arm here. And she had a handle on one grocery bag here and a, and a handle and a finger there. And the same thing over here. She was really tied down with groceries and she was waiting on the bus to come because she was holding these groceries because she may not let up she better not put them down in this neighborhood so she's holding them up 
waiting on the bus to come. So she finally got on the bus. She finally got on the bus. And she got on the bus, climbed the steps. She already had her bus fare out. She put the bus fare in the thing there and stood. Now, there are plenty of seats on the bus. She stood there in the middle of the aisle holding her bags in her hand. After a while, the bus driver noticed, what's wrong with that lady? He said, ma'am, he said, ma'am, you can sit down now. Uh, this bus is strong enough to carry you and, you and your bags. What are we saying? God is strong enough to carry you and the weight of your ministry. We're leaning on God, depending on God. We've entered his transportation and we're still carrying the load. Sit down, relax, and enjoy the ride. Sit down, relax. Turn to the neighbor and tell them, sit down, relax, and enjoy the ride. No more frustration. No more frustration. No more frustration. No more frustration. Say, I refuse to be frustrated. I refuse to be frustrated. Until the day we started with the picture of a man and he had some papers in his mouth and he was angry. We didn't look like this. Hey! And the young lady, she's excited. Oh! Right? No more frustration. If you yield to the Spirit of God in your life and understand, you don't have to be frustrated. So relax. It's not moving as fast as you want it. I know. Relax. You don't have as much money as you want it. Relax. And enjoy the ride because God is in control. I pray you've heard the Word of God today. If you have, give the Lord a hand of praise. Friends, I know you have been truly blessed by this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center Media Ministry. Remember, if you are looking for a church home, we would be glad to have you each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center is located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. For more information, give us a call at 770-537-1933 or visit us on the web at www.kingdomrock.org.